like you're happy. Some kind of uh, natural faith. So we talked about faith operating in two realms yesterday. There's a realm where you see, you touch, you hear, etc., etc. You use those same avenues, though, for your supernatural faith. And so this is where the dilemma comes in. Like you use your hearing to build your supernatural faith, just like you use it to build your natural faith. Amen? If you are really hungry for what God has for you, you will get yourself to understand the discipline of how to use supernatural faith. Because what you are attempting to do is something that is not normal, natural, and every day. You're attempting to take a situation that is common to everybody and turn it around so that it's uncommon. So really, you're looking for a miracle. You're looking to flip something so that it removes something that was a problem and it establishes a blessing. And see, that's really what we're up against. And so when people say things like, oh, I have faith, you know, they get into this faith debate. It's not about winning an argument. It's about bringing in the blessing that you desire. And so you have to take it, once it gets into that realm of the argument, it's still in a natural form. What people are doing is thinking you're challenging either their Christianity, their, their morality, there's something, it's personal to them. But see, the faith that we're talking about is not a personal faith. It works through you, and it resides in you, but it's not yours. You got me? It is not yours. And so this is what we have to understand about the God kind of faith or the Abraham brand of faith. It is a faith righteousness. And we are not righteous people, and we know that. So what we are doing is by faith, tapping into a faith that is not normal, natural, and everyday. It is a supernatural faith. And so that's when the fight is on. When you have to tap into something that, number one, does not belong to you, did not start with you. And so this is where the nervousness with us comes in. Am I worthy? Is God going to do it? All this stuff. Because you're tapping into a realm that's foreign to you. And you don't know that much about it. So you're trying to get to know what it is that's going on at the same time you're looking for the results of God. So you're kind of like... Where do I start? How do I begin? How do I get this? You know, and so God sees our dilemma and that's why he encourages us with the word and the different things that he talks about with us in the word of God to focus totally on what he says and leave everything else out. Because I was thinking about it. I I was saying uh, to to the Lord, I said, you know, I I used to walk in divine health. And he said, well, did you really? Amen. See? And I I thought about it. I said, yeah, when I was younger. See, we can all do that. See, and so what you're doing is you got the word sitting there looking at you, but you're really leaning back into your natural. You got me? Because it ain't my, amen, amen. And so when it come, when it becomes tested, that's when we start walking in divine health. Is when the challenge comes up. Amen? Amen. 
And it'll, everybody is going to have to meet the challenge. Now, I'm not talking about a challenge coming because you got sick. Because I can remember when I was younger, every time a symptom came, I said, no, I ain't receiving it, I ain't getting that. In three days, usually, I could kill everything. You got me? But it was it was challenged on more of an easy, natural level. It's like you tell people things like, well, listen, if you're getting all upset about a headache or a common cold, what are you going to do when the biggie comes? You understand what I'm saying? And so we have, God allows us to practice these things when it's kindergarten. You got me? So we've been practicing kindergarten faith. We tap into the supernatural for a season. But if it goes longer than two or three days, then (laughs) call the paramedics. You know, you know what I'm y'all know what I'm talking about because we've all been there. And so when you understand that faith is is there to challenge you at all levels of testing. See, there is a faith there to help you at every level of testing. There have been people who have been on deathbeds and somebody would come in and give them one scripture and tell them to repeat that and repeat that and that illness lifts 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 and if they'll keep it up and keep it up and keep it up that word will drive out sickness well they tapped into supernatural faith that ain't your see hear feel taste touch faith that's the faith of the son of god that's the abraham brand so the abraham brand is able to number one hope against hope and that's what you've got to understand about supernatural faith is there to help you to hope against hope. So in other words, when your situation is hopeless from a natural standpoint, the Abraham brand of faith is there for you to tap into so that you can get supernatural hope, which overrides natural hope. So your natural hope will say you're too old for this, you, you don't have the education, you don't have the this or the that. But your supernatural hope will override that and make it happen for you anyway. It's like how much are you willing to trust in that to override what it is that you see going on in the natural. Mostly, we get ourselves involved too much in God's faith. Because if you're dealing with the God kind of faith, you've got to believe it's available there for you or God would not invite you into it. So at the bottom of all of this is what do you think about God? It's not, it's not really about you. We throw ourselves in there just to sound spiritual. But God knows that at the bottom of it, what's in your heart? What do you feel about God? What do you think he's like? How do you think he wants to treat you? What does he think about you? What's he going to do for you? And so in that, we have to uh, make sure that our assessment of God is accurate. Our assessment of him is true. See, at the, at the, bottom, of, uh, the bottom line of all of it is not you and your faith and what you believe, but it's what do you judge about God? How do you judge him? That's, that's really the, the bottom line answer. So if you're still concerned about you and what you bring to the table, you're still over in the natural realm of faith. Can you see that? But if you get past you and then get totally over into what, 
What is God like? Uh, is he really the kind of God who would allow me to make mistake after mistake after mistake and still use me mightily, still do bring this to me, still help me, still help my children, still do these and, and, and that kind of thing? If you can judge him as being a righteous God and a faithful God and willing to keep his word no matter who, who says it, just look at God as not being able to see who you are anymore. And all he hears is his, his faith and his word. You got me? You take yourself out of that and then you can judge God faithful and judge him uh, able to perform what he says he's going to do. And so when you see your own limitations, don't limit God to your abilities. See him as being, amen, see him as being much bigger than your abilities. If you're looking to impress God with how well you do certain things or you do this right and you do that right, you have to let that go and understand that God is performing on a covenant that he made with himself. He didn't make a covenant with us. He made a covenant with himself and we entered into it. So God promised himself he would do these things for us. And we heard that and we jumped into the covenant. You got me? And so if you if you do that and you understand what God has in mind for us, you can easily take yourself out of it. You can easily remove your weaknesses, your strengths, and everything else from the equation. And you'll come up with God did this because God's idea was to rely on himself to help us in every situation. And he doesn't change based on what we do. He's an immutable God. He's an unchangeable God. He made up his mind about us before the foundation of the earth. And that didn't change based on our superstardom where we think we so cool and we so this and we so that. Like we can mess up everything or we can help everything, you know. Like how did God get anything done before I got here? You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm the it thing. And so we have to be careful how we perceive. How do you see things? How do you see God in your situation? How do these things happen? So uh, I wanted to go. I had some examples for yesterday. I know I can never get finished doing everything in a meeting, but I thought maybe we could pick up some things and maybe we can look at a little more closely so we can understand what it is that we're we're uh, a part of in this covenant with God. Uh, in Hebrews 6, let me turn there first because there's so many wonderful things, so many wonderful things. See, if God promised you something, it's up to God to bring it to pass. The test for us is not getting antsy and taking it away from him and spoiling it. Uh-huh. And I, I remember... Um, my husband telling me one time he said how come you can't wait for me to get I want to get you nice things how come you can't wait for me I would say brother if you only knew (laughs) how hard it is for me (laughs) to believe you people with skin on you know what I'm saying I mean it is a challenge you know tell me you know we always looking at people kind of funny so Hebrews 6 and see, that way we reflect that on God 
sometimes. You know, God wants to do things for us, and he wants to do them in a way that's going to totally enrich us. But we see it as lack when we don't have what we want. You got me? God sees a promise that he's promised to do it for us. So Hebrews 6 and and verse, uh, we'll start here, says, For when God made promise to Abraham, that's 13, sorry, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. So we already know that term surely means without fail. It surely means um, I'm sworn to that. Surely means if I deviate from that, I have to take my own life. My life is sworn against every single promise. So then after he had what? My, my King James says patiently endured. Amen. See, underline patiently endured. Because what, let me tell you what patient endurance does for us. It totally kills natural faith. It totally kills your natural dependence on, because it's like, patience is like sitting on your hands all day long. You want to get up and do something, but you make the decision to just patiently endure. Amen. You make the decision to allow God to show you what he can do. Now, most of us don't put that together in our minds like that when we're waiting on things. The first thing that happens is what natural faith starts to take over and give us our ideas about what we did wrong that's taken so long, what we could do that'll speed it up. You know, the first thing you you do is you, you get channel surfing on Christian television. I told y'all, y'all watch too much of that stuff. Amen. If you pay attention to what you just get here, you could do a lot. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I realize, you know, it's a passive way of keeping yourself engaged in the thing of God. But you can pick up, pick up error there, too. You understand? Because the first thing you'll pick up on when you're at your wit's end and you want something to happen, is somebody tells you to send a, 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 a special seed in, and God will just bless your socks off. I mean, we got reports of people getting all kind of stuff. Well, them people ain't in the church. They ain't under the word. God wants more out of you. He don't want you to live off a bonus uh, uh, you know, a, a bomb offering, you can blast, get your breakthrough and blast the door of heaven open and steal something from God. He's not interested in that for everybody. Do you hear what I'm telling you? Now that works for baby Christians and that works for people sitting up there and don't have a church to go to and don't have anybody to pray for them in them churches and don't have a supernatural outlet to things. But for you to do that, that's laziness. That's going backwards. Uh, It's true anyway. I don't care if y'all don't like it. But see, that's how you get deceived. That's how you wind up somewhere looking for something. You know, instead of focusing in on what you can get where you're at. Don't you know when you show up here regularly, God has a plan for you and you're on schedule to get everything God wants for you? Do you not understand that? You're not some little sheep that has to wander around everywhere looking for 
scraps and bits and like the Syrophoenician woman that came there and her daughter was sick and she wasn't a Jew and she knew she was outside of the that's not you and I'm telling you there are a lot of people that live like that as Christians begging for scraps and they're supposed they have a place at the table they have a table prepared for them you got children's bread you can eat that anytime you get ready to don't you feed your kids you don't put you you don't put a lock on your refrigerator at home your kids have free access to that that's children's bread you can get that anytime you desire from god Instead in unbelief wandering around trying to glean from someplace else. You know, that's good for some people. That's not what God ordained for you. And I'm a witness to that. I've been doing this for over 30 years. And I watch people come in here and sit and not pay attention and not get a whole lot. And then they flip on the TV and somebody told them something else. Well, I sent a big seed to Benny Hinn. I say, he ain't your pastor. He don't even know who you are. You ain't nothing but a number to him. You see what he does? He goes to people don't even that aren't even saved and don't know God. Trying to get them to understand who God is. You should know who he is. You should be out praying for somebody else by now. So let's get with the program here, folks. We're not going to stay babies forever. You got to do these things. You got to stretch yourself and quit thinking about what you bring to the table if you're going to get into strong faith. I don't care how daunting it seems to you that you could get into that realm. You got to understand that's for you. That's your next destination. So he says here, for an Abraham made God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no higher, no greater. He swore by himself by himself to himself saying surely blessing i will bless you multiplying i'll multiply you now this is the other thing too when god would go to abraham or abraham would go to god you notice god never switched up the promise on him he gave him the same thing over and over and over again sometimes embellishing parts of it sometimes stressing other parts of it but it was always the same promise that he did at the beginning when you go to a prophet in this day and age if they're true to what god's been telling you you will get the same thing reiterated over and over and over again because god does not change don't go to them looking for something different this time you open yourself up to a fortune telling spirit you understand what i'm saying understand what prophecy is for it's to keep you on the right track because trust me between between the last time he gave you a word and this time your little pea brain and thought of something new you think is going to help you you're looking to have something confirmed that you want to do and what he's telling you is come back to where you belong and don't give up i know you feel like quitting but don't give up i'm still gonna do this for you i don't care what it looks like i didn't lie the first time i'm not gonna start lying now 
every time he would come to abraham he said i will multiply your descendants like the sand of the sea and the stars in the sky and that's it abram i mean that i meant it the first time i said it 20 years down the road i'm still saying it because i still mean it i mean it now like i meant it then the passage of time has nothing to do with what god is going to do for you it has nothing to do with that nothing to do with that let me see if I can find that for you because that, that's something that people see we we want it in a hurry because we think that if we, if we have to wait too long it's not going to be right you got me it, it's something's going to be wrong with it so let me finish this one I'm so sorry okay he said and so after he had patiently endured he obtained the promise for men verily or truly swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. So any questions you have ought to be settled by the fact that God swore this to himself. So you can't get into what did, what, what did I do wrong? What's, a, no, that, that, you got an oath of confirmation. You are waiting for an already confirmed word to manifest in your life. You're not looking for a confirmation of God's word. What you want, and when you say we're waiting on a confirmation, you're waiting for an outside source to do something for you that you should do for yourself. All you're looking for is a repeat in your hearing so it can get stronger in you. Now think about it. If I if if your faith is getting weak on something, I might casually mention it's something to you and God get a hold of my voice and tell you and you say oh that was a confirmation all i did was what you could do with yourself all you got to do is repeat the promise to yourself and it's confirmed but god because of his great mercy toward us will use one another like when you totally out to lunch getting ready to go do stupid number three for the 25th time god will use somebody else's voice to hijack you off the road of stupid and help you to get back over into faith that's all he's doing is keeping you in faith but really that person did something for you that you could easily do for yourself if god you know god's promised that to you he has not changed his mind and so god is so great and so merciful isn't that merciful and he sees us wandering around all oh, we like sheep have gone astray ain't that the truth huh and instead of letting you waste time going down that dark alley and then you sit down there for three months huh disappointed broke busted disgusted mad at everybody he wants to spare you that stupidity and just keep you on the main road he knows you think you're pressed for time and that's why he does that he said were you so concerned about how much time is passing i'll speed this up for you i'll send another voice to you huh to mention that amen and so if we'll receive it now then there are times when people don't want to hear somebody reiterate that promise they're just determined to hear something different huh and so they'll fight the person that brings they'll they'll hate the messenger because of the message amen they argue with you about well, i used to believe that like that but i don't believe like that no more what happened to you huh you've gone so far down stupid street that you don't know how to get yourself off of there huh 
So Abraham believed God, and that's so important. We must believe God, not what we want, but you got to drop your wants, and because you can't carry everything in your hand at one time. You drop them wants and start listening, sit and listen to God. And it says, verse 17, we're in God willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. That means God's mind cannot be changed. I don't care how bad you think you are. You can't change his mind about wanting to bless you. I don't care how far you go off the rails. You're not going to change his mind about what he wants to do for you. You know, there are people that, that they get into these petty resentments about things of God. You know, you'll see them sometimes be in the church for years, all of a sudden get mad at everybody, don't want to speak to nobody, and, you know, go on off, sit at home like we're going to run over there and look for you. Listen, I'm staying on the right road. If God don't send me to run after you and try to go look for you, I ain't looking for you. You understand me? Because this walk is so delicate, honey. If they went off the road, you can too. Don't think you're standing any stronger. Huh? The Bible says any man thinks he stands, you better take heed lest you fall. You understand what I'm saying? So God ain't sent you to retrieve you. Do you look like a, a fetch? You go get some, You ain't no retriever. You understand what I'm saying? That ain't even a ministry in the body of Christ. What you are, a little nosy busybody, and you're about to get in some trouble if you don't mind your own business. Take care of your ancestors. Reverend Bruce. (laughs) You got to do the Reverend Bruce. Take care of your ancestors. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll let Tony tell y'all that after service is over. I'm going to keep on moving. But but I, I had some examples for you about the Abraham brand of faith working through other people in the Bible. What it says about Abraham's faith in Romans chapter 4, we can go back there now. It says, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. And you can put yourself in there about any impossible situation in your life. There's going to be something that you're convinced and the devil's convinced you, help you convince against yourself that it will never happen to you for some reason or another. So you're going to have to hope against hope because that Abraham faith is there for you for that reason. We're all trying to, to live life without using that. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody's guilty of that. We don't want to really have the, oh, Abraham. Yeah, I'm glad he did that. Woo-wee, Abraham faith. Woo-wee, he did. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, no, that's what you have in you for a reason. Yes. Amen. You have it in there for, God doesn't give us anything uh, for no reason. He's not wasteful. You got me? He does everything for a purpose. It's because you're to use that brand of faith whenever you need anything. Huh? The best thing to do instead of hiding it from your situation and whining because something has taken so long. And you know how when you, when you feel sorry for yourself, you whine because you don't have it. 
and then you want to try and make like you're highly spiritual and you're being responsible. Well, what did I do wrong? What you're doing wrong is you're not using the right kind of faith. That's what you're doing wrong. You're over in the flesh acting like somebody owes you something for free. And all you got to do is put away your self-pity, your natural inclinations, your, your fixation on trying to fool somebody into thinking you're highly spiritual. When you're barely hanging in there. You got me? Because we all have the same challenges. You ain't fooling me and I ain't fooling you. But if we put our stuff together, we might all get to the same, get to the end of the street like we're supposed to. So he says here, he hoped against hope, against his age, against his impotence, against the fact that Sarah's womb was shut up. She had never conceived. Many times, women who never conceived the doctors will tell you, oh, you can't. No, it just means I haven't yet. You understand? Don't get no can't in there. with. Don't let them tell you what you can't. Because they can only tell you as far as they know. There's stuff they don't know that you have access to. That you can tap into anytime you want to. So he hoped against hope the deadness of Sarah's womb. It was dead as far as he knew. But as far as God knows... It shut up for the proper season. You know what the evidence of that is? If you were a spiritual person, you could really see it. Why is it, if her womb was dead, why is it that when that the uh, king of Egypt took her, him, her into his harem, that they all fell impotent? You don't do that to people for a dead womb. I mean, I know God is all powerful, but you don't have to, you don't have to go like that, Lord. You don't have to go all like that. You just could have told me she ain't bound somebody. Huh? <laughs> what did God tell him? He said, that's dead and you're going to be dead. You touch her. You got me? Half of y'all got it. Huh? God doesn't do things. He don't have to flex who he is to anybody. He does what's necessary. Amen. Now, that's enough of that example, because if I have to really spell it out to y'all, half the kids, I have to leave. So you meditate on it. Get the full meaning there. Against hope, believed in hope that he might become. Believed in what hope? If his hope was gone, what hope was he hanging on to? That's right. God. God is always your hope. God, if you don't do this, it's not going to happen. God, I can't, I don't see it happening any other way, but I get a miracle from you. God, everything, all this stuff is arrayed against me, and if I don't get a mercy miracle, please don't go to God with your credentials. Put that stuff away. Huh? You could fool the saints with all that stuff, but this ain't time for that. He ain't wanna, you know what I'm saying? You put that stuff away and allow yourself to come clean before God. He says, 
and he considered not his own body now dead which would have been weak faith had he considered it you got me so he was not weak in faith in letting himself think about all of this stuff that was against him weak faith considers that you have to do something to bring it to pass what did i do wrong that's weak faith why is it taking so long what do i need to do here we go stay out of weak faith you got to get over to strong faith now see a strong faith requires discipline it requires you to sit on your hands and patiently endured without getting discouraged without telling somebody off huh amen it requires you to remain peaceful full of faith hopeful being obedient to god not out of joint not tearing the house up hey absolutely it requires you to remain a christian (laughs) serve god even though you think you're tired of doing the right well how come i got to do the right thing all the time nobody else they get away with murder you want to express weak faith when you do that you are tired of waiting so you think you got me and so when we decide that we're not going to use that road to try and get what we want anymore now you're looking to straighten up something that's crooked when you do that well don't you think god's big enough since he lives in you all the time if you were on the wrong road he would have taken the steering wheel and pulled you on the right road by now you think he'd let you get to your wits end pulling your hair out by the brains you know how you pulling them little roots you didn't got down you got gray matter on the end of your arm huh trying to figure out no all you got to do is stay mellow and say god i trust you god you're faithful you do what abraham did and it says here he was fully persuaded how did he get persuaded he persuaded himself that's all you do spend your time persuading yourself that what god that's your work that you got to do what happened was you used to try to be persuaded but you thought that was too hard well this ain't doing nothing i seen them people say they they worship god and they got this and they got that and then people say they don't really be worshiping god because i saw them out there at the movie oh you got to do more than that well go find out what you got to do for yourself you don't have to follow nobody else's formula to get nothing from god he's god to you too just talk to him and find out what you got to do take care of your ansarius <laughs> amen it's the truth you take care of you 
you get in there and you find out it says abraham was fully persuaded not abraham's group of friends and him was fully persuaded not abraham's little little uh, posse he rode with was fully persuaded but this is an individual thing between you and god where you get fully persuaded then he wasn't persuaded before he had ishmael because he wasn't persuaded that god was able to perform what he was doing so he figured he'd help him out how many ishmaels you gonna rack up in your life huh how many fake friends you gonna wrap up rack up how many broken relationships you gonna rack up before you get fully persuaded of what god's promised you oh well, i don't know if he's promised me that really well we got a whole new different ball game you got to persuade yourself that he promised you something. See, this is what we get from looking at other things. See, this is nothing more than the, the fruit of your natural man's faith manifesting on you and, and backfiring on you you've been watching what other people do you've been watching what other people say like you don't have a seat at the father's table where you can come and dine for yourself but we sit and we observe at a distance huh like michael did david david dancing before the lord with all his might huh moonwalking huh dad what else they do well, you know what I'm saying. He's just doing his thing before the Lord. And she's standing up there watching, thinking he dancing for her approval. Huh? And she tried to call him out on it. He said, I wasn't dancing for you. Huh? I'm real sorry. But you ain't got nothing to do with this right here. Huh? That's the way you should be with your relationship with God. You ain't dancing for nobody else's approval. You're dancing for God's approval. Huh? you know within you whether he approves of you and if you don't know find out he'll tell you so he says he's fully persuaded see when you're fully persuaded that what god has promised you he's able to do for you then he imputes righteousness to you huh therefore after he was fully persuaded therefore it was imputed to him as righteousness now see the people that sit up and watch christian television we're the righteousness of god christ jesus you don't even know what that means yeah if you stay in christ jesus but when you start questioning how long it takes you to get something you i've got news for you you ain't in him no more because in him you know all of these things and you're fully persuaded on these things. But for the most part, we bounce in and out. You start looking at what somebody else is doing and what they got. And there you go again. Down stupid street. Hmm? How many preachers, you ever seen these preachers that sign up and go to the uh, ministers' conferences? Why do you think they're going? they're not going there to learn anything about how to get their people healed delivered saved they're not going for that the only people that can get you to sign up is somebody's got 20,000 members 
They had 20,000 names somewhere. People that show up on a regular, probably about four or five. You got me? That's in a strong congregation. But people are showing up because they're looking in the natural and seeing what these people have and they want it. Church Growth Seminar. It's quiet in here. You understand what I'm saying? Where if God called you, he has a picture inside of him of what you're supposed to be doing. I would say check in with the picture and get fully persuaded of what your portion is. You got me? Instead of paying money running here, there, and everywhere to borrow off somebody else that looks at you as somebody foolish enough to give them their money. You got me? Because they don't know how they got what they have. And if they're smart, they'll start to get a plan for how to do uh, serve those people and, and be pleased with God and leave this nonsense alone. You got me? You got 20,000 people. You got just enough time to take care of your flock. You don't have time to be having these seminars and telling everybody else how to be great like me. Because that's really what it amounts to. You got me? Oh, everybody ain't cut out to be what I'm doing. Seriously? Why would we want to? Huh? Why would we want to? I got the same God living in me that you have living inside of you. To me, that's the ultimate right there. Why would I want to be like you? Now, what I'm interested in is how to get more people healed, do a better job at that, get more believers out doing that. You understand what I'm saying? If you got that, you got a corner on that, we can talk. Amen? But until that happens, I'm just content doing what God has told me to do. See, you've got to get content doing what God has given you to do and be faithful over that before he will give you more to do which when the more presents itself most people aren't interested so abraham fully persuaded what that whatever he did as a man had no consequence in the promise coming to pass you gotta be fully persuaded of that Most people who think they're spiritual get caught up in how much they pray, how much they read the word, how much they confess the word. Huh? Well, did you focus on it when you were doing it? If you got 10 minutes, did you focus on it and let God minister? Were you real between you and God on this thing? Instead of counting hours, oh, it's 9 o'clock. Oh, when it gets to be 10, I can close the Bible. Huh? Huh? That's not the way to get persuaded about anything. Amen. Full persuasion is what you want. If you got questions hanging out there, get in your word and get ask God to help you to get fully persuaded. God, did you tell me this for real? I, I got to know, God. I really want to know. Am I spending my wills and wasting my time here? Or is this something that you really promised to me? Amen. If you don't get an answer, that means, listen, don't keep bugging me about this. You just hold on to it. You got me? And allow God to minister truth to you. Amen. Allow him to minister truth to you. So natural faith 
We don't want, we kick that out. That is not the Abraham brand. The Abraham brand is able, number one, to call things that be not as though they are. That is in, as quick as the dead, 17, verse 17 on Romans 4. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. And so Abraham just agreed with that. When God tells you he's done something for you, just agree with that. He says, I have healed you. Then agree with that and learn how to speak God's language. When you speak your own language, that throws doubt on what God says. That means you're not persuaded. But if you will speak God's language and continue to say you are healed. I know sometimes it sounds like you're speaking into a hollow canyon somewhere. You know, you get nothing but an old echo back. You don't get anything that settles in your heart. But at some point, that word will settle in on you. And that's when you're fully persuaded that what he has promised he is able also to perform. What, help, what hinders people, in the, when, and I'll just go in the realm of health because I just went there. Uh, people will look at what statistics say about their situation. Got me? All of you African-American, y'all have high blood pressure. Stay off them ham hocks. You can bring them by my house. I promise you I will bless them and throw them down so fast. And Coco will eat bones. Huh? We be gnawing on that for a long time. Huh? Because my Bible says nothing is to be refused if it's taken with prayer. Now you got to believe that stuff is blessed before you throw it down. You get you get That'd be working for a minute. But you got to believe that that food does not harm you. I don't care how salty it is. It does not harm you. The Bible says we're the salt of the earth anyway. You salt already. How's salt going to hurt you? Lord have mercy. You know, the devil will take you on a run for you. And especially you got half the Christians on television selling you herbs and supplements. And got you on special diets and Christian yoga exercise. Instead of getting you over in the word. You know why they don't put you in the word? Because they ain't in the word. How you going such as we have, we give each other. They don't have no word to give you. That's why they overdoing that stuff. You get real smart, you pay attention in church. You understand what I'm saying? You get real smart. So, being fully persuaded. Now, now, full persuasion is, is what the enemy fights us to hold on to. That's what, with a believer, that's one of his strongest offenses against us, is putting doubt in our persuasion. Amen. And so, uh, let me take you to a couple of examples of people who were fully persuaded and lost it. Because, see, we think that you can be, see, full persuasion comes when you're in Christ. Amen. Amen. You're the righteousness of God in him. When you're in the spirit of Christ, 
instead of out in your natural man, in your flesh. You, you stand in God's righteousness. Amen. It's not yours. It's imputed to you. Amen. And you wear it like, like this coat. I could take this off whenever I want to. If this is my righteousness, I've got it on now and I'm in him. I take it off, I'm in my natural self. You got me? And so you want to stay in imputed righteousness. Now you got some crazy people out there who will tell you almost everything you do is okay. Stop that. Amen. You know when you write, you know, the Holy Spirit will tell you when your stuff is raggedy and when it's okay. And so people can step into that realm of imputed righteousness. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. Start in verse 22. Uh, It says, right away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. So he compelled them to do this. This is a command of his. To go before him to the other side. So he's like, y'all get started now. Because y'all don't warn me out. I'm going to go pray. You know, you got to chill a little bit. He said, you go ahead and I'll catch up with you. He said, you get to the other side. Amen. He was sending the multitudes away, which probably meant that he did not want to leave any need unmet. Now, Jesus already knew from the Father how he was going to get there, or he would have made them stay there with him with the boat, right? This wasn't some snap decision. He said, oh. I'm like three hours behind him, dude. Let me go do something. No, he already knew how he would catch up to them. So he finishes up the altar call or whatever he's doing, you know, with the people, blessing them and so forth and so on. And he sends them ahead of him because he knows what? It's going to take them longer. Because the route he's going, it's going to take no time for him to get there. So he gives them a head start because they have to go in their own level of faith. So they move at their own level of faith. He moves at his. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. Now they got maybe like a four, five hour jump on him already. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, and the wind was contrary. You know how that happens? I think they did. Don't say this. But they're sitting up looking for Jesus. I wonder where he is. I wonder how he's going to get here. Well, he told us to go over there. I wonder what he's going to do to get I wonder, 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 wonder. Wondering will get you in trouble. So while he gave them his faith to get to the other side, somehow in the middle of the journey, they lose it. Sound familiar? It's taking too long. Where he at? I don't see how no man can get all the way out here with us. We ain't had no airplanes in. Ain't no way in the world they can think he's going to keep his word to them and meet them. Not fully persuaded. Amen. So they ain't even persuaded they'll get safely to the other side. And they have done this trip many times before. And he says here, 
the ship was now tossed with waves and in the fourth watch of the night jesus went unto them walking on the sea now by this time everybody's frantic because yes. already they got the key, the sea kicking up and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea then they were even more troubled yes. and saying it's a spirit and they cried out for amen because it was right close to them all along but straight away jesus spoke to them saying be of good cheer it is i be not afraid he would say that to them many times why to get them back over in the realm where he was it's not hush little baby now just calm down that ain't that when he says don't be afraid that fear leaves them that spirit of fear lifts off of them and they're back with him in faith where they were when he told them to go get in the boat and i'll meet you on the other side see this is us when it takes too long for us to get our little bill paid that we know we spent the money for illegally now we screaming to god to help us amen and it's taking too long why is it taking too long part of it is we know we've done something wrong to get it in the shape that it's in so now we're in trouble we got ourselves in this trouble and how are we going to get out of this trouble and it bugs you you three times as bad you don't believe god will forgive you and pay your bill he only pays bills for people who do it well if you did everything right you wouldn't your bill wouldn't be right see it's for people in trouble as well as out of trouble so here he is they see him they're scared he says don't be be of good cheer be not afraid peter said lord if it's you let me come out there where you are so really the spirit of fear has left them and they stand in the righteousness that they have cultivated in christ through relationship with him you can't have more than you put in the effort to obtain so when you step into christ you step in the same faith that you have in him on a regular peter as much as we complain about him stayed close to christ all of the time he was one of the 12 but he was constantly reaching out for more of jesus he was constantly trying to get more attention from him you can see that that was sincere that was not peter just trying to be second in commanders and part of that when he get in the flesh that was there but he had a real solid relationship with god where he believed he was being trained and taught to do the same things that jesus did got me which is more than what most of us think you can get saved and god use you to to pray for somebody or something you still think you can't do nothing huh we come in and drop out when you drop out you way out but when you're in you ever realize how that can happen you can be the biggest slug sitting up there and in, in with your bathrobe on if you got that on you know what i'm saying you're all togethers or whatever and not think you're real spiritual 
And then, you know, you can, God will open up a door of opportunity for you and you do the most miraculous things. And then when that wears off, you back. That's because the relationship you have with him is not cultivated enough to keep you in his image when he's not around. Amen. And so then Peter, because he's cultivated this relationship with Jesus, he steps into that I can do what Jesus does mode because that's what Jesus told them they can do. And so Peter steps into that and he says, Lord, if that's you, let me come out there where you are. And so Peter is fully persuaded when he steps out of that boat. You can't tell, have you ever walked on water? And so he's fully persuaded that what Jesus promised him, yes, you can, Jesus is able to perform it. And so he steps out of the boat But then the devil comes up, it's like we do. Sometimes you can pray and you can can touch it almost. You're convinced that it's right around the corner. And then the devil gets your attention and tells you, what's taking so long? And you you start to sink. And see, you have that Abraham brand of faith working in you. You don't know how. You don't know when. You can't quite grab it. You don't know how to get it back. You can't. But you know it's there somewhere because you had it at one time. And so when we get that understanding about what we're doing in God and we understand fully about the Abraham brand of faith, you'll desire, it won't be such a mystery to you. You'll desire to walk in it at all times and you'll understand and be fully persuaded at least long enough to bring that promise to pass even if you drop back and go into natural living sometimes afterward. That's what people do. You can't somehow stay focused 100% to keep it on you at all times that's why it's a little mysterious to us and it seems like some kind of gift that we don't know how it happens and we don't know you understand what i'm saying now maybe some people do but i don't so but i don't i think you can if you pursue it you know i won't say you can't but you pursue it so anyway uh peter it says here Uh, verse 29 he said come when peter came down out of the ship and walked on the water to go to jesus but when he saw saw what not jesus anymore that's how quick it can flip on you you're fully persuaded while you're focused on this thing you ever listen to your, your tape and get that word in you? Like Robert Zalaire and say, I own that scripture. You can be there owning it. He owned Mark eleven twenty three, but still failed. You understand what I'm saying? Don't fool yourself in the ownership. You got me? I mean, seriously. You ever, you ever read the word and you, you're sure you got something figured out? You, this is this this cannot be taken away from me then three months down the road you're talking against it already again it's just 
that's how this happens. The Abraham brand of faith is so warred against in this earth. You have to fight to hold on to it. And it'll come when you need it for something specific. And you can walk in that. But it will lift as soon as the enemy can get your attention. And so from this wind kicking up already, a good prayer for Peter would have been, Lord, can you keep this sea smooth while I'm out there? Because I know I have a tendency to get distracted from stuff. Huh? But we just jump into things because we're so excited about what God's doing and what, you know, our part in it. We won't get, I got to feel my breakthrough coming. I feel my, and so he's out there with his, you got me? And he's walking. And so he's doing good for a while, just like they did when Jesus said, go get in the boat. Go to the other side, and I'll meet you over there. After it took so long, they're like, oh, boy. They don't say the conversation, but whatever it is, it makes the elements work against them. See, you carry an atmosphere with you for good or for bad. You can have a faith atmosphere around you that will keep the promises of God close to you. You can grab them, tangible. Or you can start doubting, what's going on? I don't know what this means. It must mean, and that's what they did in that boat. They either had enough time to encourage themselves. Oh, no, man, Jesus said he's going to meet us. He'll be there. We'll be okay till we get there. Just keep yourselves encouraged in the Lord. That's all David did. He turned that whole nation around. Just with his basic tools. Huh? Of getting and meditating, keeping himself encouraged. That's what we have to do to stay in the Abraham brand of faith. Amen. You got to keep feeding that thing. It's not just a one-time something and and it just fucks on you and you're superwoman or superman. It's something that you have to hold on to and cultivate. So just as quickly as Peter stepped into it, he stepped out of it. So don't tell me how mature you are in God. And how the minute the devil hears that, he's, ooh, I got something for you. And goes to the throne room and say, God, look, they down there in the flesh bragging about what you're doing they're responsible for. Let me at them. And God says, okay. You caught them. You got me? This gets us in more trouble then it gets us out of. You need to learn how to keep your mouth shut. Some people don't even have a half of a brain engaged. You know, it's just a running. And so we have to learn. Your words are full of power for good or for evil. You got to respect your words. as Respect your head. And so he said when he saw the wind boisterous, Fear came back on him. Now that same fear Jesus had just cast out, he picks it back up again. Why? Because it's riding along with him at every turn. Fear is part of this earthly atmosphere. And it waits looking for somebody to pounce on. Huh? And see if it can drive you nuts. 
people go crazy because of fear. They panic and do all kinds of stupid things because of fear. And so Peter said this. He said, uh, when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Immediately. Now, if he answered that prayer immediately, he can answer any prayer immediately. Why not? Lord, keep me walking. See, fear will make you give up on what you said you believed wholeheartedly five minutes ago. So don't play around with scared people. Don't play around with negative people. Don't play around with backslidden people. Don't play around with people who don't know how to serve God and aren't going somewhere. I used to talk to God about things and he said, you have to look at every conversation you have with anybody as a potential battle. Because it can turn on you at any minute. And you cannot never, he said, you can never lay down your weapons of warfare. Huh? See, see, but you got to be willing to do that for the Lord. Because this is where you get called mean. And this is where people say, you don't care about people. You don't feel, you don't have no feelings about them. No, I don't. Not about that nonsense you're talking. That's what took me down too many times. I'm done with that. Huh? Done with it. Love you, but I'm done with the nonsense you got. Amen. What you call love, I don't. Let's cut it out. So he said, Jesus did what Peter asked him. And after that, he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, he calls him little faith. Hey, wait a minute. I just finished doing the same thing you did. Now he's talking to his carnal man now. He's talking to to the man that's engaged. If he had stayed out there on that water, he would have said, great is your faith. Just like he did them other people who pressed in and pressed in and pressed in and pressed in and got it. Peter jumped in there one time and because he started looking around instead of staying focused. Distractions will kill the Abraham brand of faith. Put you over into little faith in a, in a New York minute. And so he says, why did you doubt? What made you doubt? See, this is what they, oh, this is a teachable moment. It's what they call a teachable moment. Huh? Jesus is always willing to teach them. And he's trying to get Peter to understand what affects his faith and causes him to doubt. So if he can get him to understand, he's, well, Lord, I started out okay. I started out good and so forth and so on. That's all he's trying to get him to do is reflect back and realize where he lost it. If you realize where you lost it, you'll be cautious to hang on to it the next time. Because there's always going to be a next time in God. Amen? Always. So that's why God is always teaching us. How to hold on to the things that he's given us because there's always going to be a next time. 
There's going to be a next time the devil is trying to steal from you. There's always going to be a next time. So Peter lost it when he lost focus and concentration on God. He got over in the natural. So when you step out of God, you're in your flesh. You understand me? And there's no two ways. There's not nice flesh and sweet flesh and cute flesh and ugly flesh. There's this flesh. You got me? And it won't avail you the promises. You're either on your way to the promise or you're not getting there. So you want to stay on your way to the promise. In Acts chapter 3, focus. You have to stay focused on what God has given you. And I don't mean like staring off into space. I mean meditating in your mind and, and trying to get understanding. Acts 3 verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried who they had laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So he was a beggar who seeing Peter and John go into the temple asked them for money just like he's asking for everybody. From everybody. So here's this man laying down there. He's got his hand out. He's looking up to this one. Give me some money. This one coming. Hey, hey, you coming into there? Put some money right here. And, you know, when you go in there, the Pharisees going to take everything you got. So this is why he sits on the outside to get it first. Well, just an aside. Those of you who have a sense of humor about these things, you may laugh. But I'm telling you. That brother knew that if he waited for the exit group to come, he ain't getting nothing. On the money changers and the dove sellers and all them people get a hold of you, you don't have no money when you come out of there. And he knew it. So that's why he's pulling at people, flagging them down. Hey, come over here. He sees he just keeps, he wants to keep a flood of people coming toward him all the time in hopes that somebody will drop something in there before the day is over. So he's sitting there begging. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look at us. Why? Why, 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 why? Number one, that man wanted to be healed. He's sitting out begging. But they took it, they took it pretty much as normal every day that people who were sick wanted to be better. They just didn't know where to get better, didn't have any hope from getting better. He's already sitting outside the temple, which gives you an indication that he's somehow seeking God. Now he's been up in that temple and they probably didn't told him he's got sin in his life or something crazy and they couldn't heal him. Pharisees did that to people all the time. So he said, well, I'm wasting my time inside. I'm just going to sit outside and beg from now on. Now faith is faith. No matter how long ago you believed or how long ago you wanted something, when it's dormant, it'll come back to life again. See, this is how Jesus would heal people who are, this is how he healed a man at the pool. When Jesus said, will you be made whole? He said, sir, I have no man. 
the implied answer is yes i do want to be healed but if i want to be healed but they say i got to have somebody to bring me down here and i don't have that so it's not a no answer he don't want to be healed and it's not these people want to be better i don't know who you you deal with but everybody people with a headache want to be better that's how you can go up to somebody you never talked to and they might tell you something like well you know what i was thinking the other day i had a pain here i said oh let me pray for you they got faith to be healed before you even introduce yourself to them people don't get healed without exerting some kind of faith toward that thing peter and john probably saw him many times people say stuff like well jesus went in that temple all the time how come jesus didn't heal him huh he went on jesus dance card if your name ain't on that miracle you can't perform it i don't care who you are there are people that come here and say we went to benny hen and i didn't get it i said well god will give it to you this time if you use that faith (laughs) huh it's the same god it's the same anointing it's the same power folks come on now and so peter and john recognized a problem he had so as ministers we're to recognize problems and fix them jesus was a fixer too but his name wasn't on that miracle Peter and John probably looked at that many man many times and they said something like this. Now look, if that man would, you ever done this with people that you know could get healed and don't have it yet? You can, you can kind of focus in there and get the glitch if you're paying attention in God. And they walked past this man many times and they, they probably said something like this look at him he keeps begging for everybody his mind is flipping so fast from one person to the next to the next to the next if he would just focus and pay attention god would heal him come on y'all come on it's easy to size up problems when you know how the anointing works why do you think they said what they said they said look at us quit looking at who's coming in next with the money who's looking at might be richer than me we look broke but we don't we ain't broke silver and gold no we don't have that but we got something better for you you can get up and work for yourself today once they focused on somebody who had power to help him he got it you can't argue with results people say well they just said look at us so i guess i'll say that no you say that for somebody it applies to huh i mean nobody staring at you because you got hypnotized i got hypnotic eyes oh hypnotize them into getting healed Mm -mm. they sized him up real quick they said his problem is we got to get him to focus and quit looking for money and start looking for what his heart really longs for that man knew money wasn't really going to help him in the long run he might get enough for today but his focus is split 
he don't get the money this time, his eyes are quickly looking for the next mark to see if they've got anything. And Peter and John says, snap out of it. Huh? Look at us. And they get him to focus in on what they're saying to him. And that man gets up there and starts walking. Touched him, his ankles received strength, and he got up and walked up out of there. Just for, this is Proverbs 4.20. Son, attend to the word. Keep your attention on the word. We live in a day and age now where everything, people got the earphones in, got the TV on, got the this, got the cell phone. You'll never get Abraham faith jumping from one distraction to another because that's all it is. It's distracting you from your real purpose in God. So focus is extremely important. Peter had it, lost it. This man at the gate, beautiful, uh, yeah, at the temple at the gate, never had it. The man at the pool was focused on man but for the wrong thing. So he's focusing on Jesus and he's thinking, oh, Jesus said, will you be made whole? Sir, I have no man. While I'm trying to get up and get out of here, somebody beats me down there. It's a race for the lame. Now, God would never know. Just just an aside. God don't put you in situations like that. You're not in a race to beat anybody to get nothing from God. Yours is reserved for you. So just so you know that. Amen. But he's thinking when Jesus comes up to him, he's thinking, Jesus, oh, well, maybe he's going to help me get up and take me in. And Jesus yanks him, and this man stands up on them legs, and he walks. He's got enough faith for a man to help him up. And that's all he needed. That's all you need sometimes is enough faith for what you think in the natural is going to help you, and God will make it supernatural. That's up to God to do it that way. We've all been there. You've seen people people expecting to get one thing, and they get everything they need from God all in one shot. Huh? People come in as you know. I, I, I prayed with some sweet little girl. Uh, uh, she said, "She said I told my sister I ain't getting saved today." They start bawling like a baby. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I said, oh, "Yeah, right." You said you just you just got in the church. See what I'm saying? People get to a place and think they can run the show once they get there. But God has something much more in mind for them. Amen? So never discount what God can do if if you get somebody to the place of yielding to him or being open to what he has for them. He will do the whole thing. Amen? All right. We'll stop. Father, we thank you for allowing us.